Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. So Jesus is saying in Luke 12, 35, he says, live your life without getting snagged up and tripped up and caught up and tied up with the things of this world and let your lamps be burning because this is a dark world we live in. Let your light shine. We know the song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it what, saints? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. You got to go shine. I don't think the song is right unless you do that shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it, let it, let it, let it. Mm. It ain't right if you don't do that. Hide it under a bushel. It's no, okay? Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Woo! I was just kidding. Was just... Calm down, people. Now, if you don't know that song, God loves you anyway. Everyone knows that song. Now, why is it important to keep your lamps burning or keep your light shining? Listen, because you can be ready. Watch this. You're going to love it. You can be ready for work all day long. But if you don't have the proper equipment, such as illumination, your readiness doesn't matter. You can have the inward willingness to serve God, but not have the illumination you need to serve well. Psalm 119, 105, you know it well. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my what? Path. In other words, you need the word of God to effectively do the work of God. And too often people are serving God without the knowledge of the word of God. Notice in verse 36, and you need to live like humans who are waiting for their master. When he returns from the wedding, he comes and he knocks and they open immediately. Now, in the Middle East, listen, weddings were usually done at night. When the bridegroom would come to the house with his bride, his servants had to prepare the house and make everything ready. And the servants themselves had to be girded and ready when they came home. And the servants would treat the bride and the groom like a king and a queen. And so the servants needed to be ready at all times because a bridegroom could come at any time. Got a pen? Did you know that there are 260 chapters in the New Testament? And Jesus' return is mentioned approximately 318 times in those chapters. That's one verse in 25 that mentions the Lord's return. You see, when you're expecting the return of Jesus, you know what it does? 
It alters your attitudes and your actions, and it alters your relationship with the physical. Notice in verse 37, blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. I say to you, he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and to serve. The return of Jesus, listen, and perhaps you will agree by round of applause. I believe that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. I believe in the imminent return of Jesus. And it's very interesting because every so many years, listen, every so many years, somebody writes a book or comes out with a DVD or a book or whatever to tell us when Jesus is coming. Now, we believe he's coming at any moment, but the Bible is very clear that no man knows the hour nor the day. But these guys, they write books and they, you know, I call them date setters who are really upsetters because they write books and they, they try to date Jesus' return. There was this one guy by the name of Edgar Wisenot, and he wrote this book. I know, I just got that second service. Actually, I said that like, this is my, this is my fourth time saying it, but get Wisenot, this guy, uh, he wrote this book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. And when, G- and when he didn't come in 88, he then wrote... 89 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1989. No man knows the day nor the hour. And I actually read, get this, I read that uh, this guy, this same guy, Edgar Wisenot, he got all these people excited to go to Israel for the Feast of Trumpets. And when the trumpet, he told them when the trumpet blasts, they were going to all be caught up in the rapture and they were going to be caught up from Israel. Come to learn that sometime later, this guy, or uh, we learn later, that this guy uh, had actually bought round-trip tickets going to Israel. Okay, in case that went over your head, that means that he didn't believe what he was preaching. He told these people, we're going to get raptured from Israel. Well, if that be the case, why didn't you buy a one-way ticket? Uh, Say amen, church. Goodness gracious. He didn't believe it. No man knows the day nor the hour. Now, with all that said, let me tell you when he's really coming. Just joking. Anytime. Look at verse 39 in your Bibles. If the master of the house would have known what hour the thief would come, he wouldn't have allowed his house to be broken into. Now, just by show of hands, be honest. You're in church. Be honest. Show of hands. Have you ever had your home robbed? Your home robbed. Okay, that's actually a significant number of people. I had, we, some years ago, we had our home. We were living in Southern California, Oceanside, California, back so, right up to Camp Pendleton. And we had our house robbed on Christmas Eve. It was, the, I mean, honestly, all our presents was wrapped, everything. We lived in Oceanside, California. And our house was robbed on Christmas Eve. That was one time. And then another time our home was robbed, but we actually had been robbed. Probably we were getting robbed like every six months in this house. I'm serious. We're going to an insurance company. They're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And I'm like, no, no, we really got robbed. No, you guys got a scam going on. No, we don't. We really did get robbed. We got robbed like every six months. At one point, we, we came home from this one time. I'll never forget it. And uh, apparently the thieves had come through the back and uh, they pushed a couch up to the front door. So, you know, you put your key and you turn the doorknob and you push and you get a little resistance. So you push, push, and push. And finally got in the house and realized we had been robbed. 
I go to my wife's dresser drawer, and she had some jewelry up there, and the jewelry was gone. And, uh, and even then, we went in the kitchen, and the kitchen was ransacked, went in the freezer, and y'all, they had stole the chicken. <laughs> now, you know they were some ghetto thieves. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? The ghetto. <laughs> you know you ghetto when you're stealing and you're hungry. <laughs> I'm like, what, you couldn't have left a chicken? Take the jewels, sell them, and buy your own chicken. They stole the chicken. And then, honestly, what was the most shocking thing about the whole scenario was that we had this German shepherd who wasn't a thoroughbred. And <laughs> Hallelujah. He wasn't a thoroughbred, so we... Um, so I told Alvaro, I'm like, okay, the chicken's gone, the jewels are gone, and the most shocking thing to me is that the dog is running around happy. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world is going on? I'm thinking the dog is happy. Look, when I come in the house, listen to me, when I come in the house and I realize my house has been robbed, I'm expecting to see, because I have a German shepherd, I'm expecting to see bodies laying around the house. I'm expecting either that or the dog is dead or something, but there needs to be altercation. But if I walk in the house and, and, and my dog is jumping around happy, probably show the thieves where the jewels were. He probably like, which way? Do this way. I'm like, when I see that, it's time for that dog to go. Let me tell you something. That dog was gone within the hour. I'm like, I am not feeding a dog who lets my house get robbed. <laughs> Did y'all hear what I said? Oh, you feed yours, okay? Uh-uh. I told Alvaro, I said, look, I'm not feeding the dog that's going to let people come in my house and rob it. If I had known the thieves were coming, I would have been ready. Verse 40, Jesus says, you be ready because Jesus is coming at an hour that you do not expect. He tells us to be prepared for his coming, which is the most important thing. Listen to me. Being prepared for the coming of the Lord is the most important thing you could be ever, that you ever could be ready for. You know, we get ready for so much stuff, don't we? Vacation, we save, we get everything together, our luggage, our trips, whatever. We get ready to die, life insurance. We get ready for retirement, 401k. We get ready for so many things. But can I tell you something? Being ready, listen to me, being ready for the return of the Lord is the most important thing you could ever be ready for. And anybody agree with that? Most important. The Bible says he's coming at an hour that you do not expect him. He could come at any moment. Now, if you're taking notes, you write this down. In the Bible, there are two comings or two returns of the Lord, of Jesus Christ. First of all, the Bible says he is going to come for the church. Well, that's talking about the rapture. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The twinkling of an eye is a Greek word, atomos, A-T-O-M-O-S, atomos, the smallest glimmer of time in the fraction of a second. In an instant, this corruption will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. The first coming of the Lord, he's coming for the church. The second time Jesus comes, he's coming with the church. The first coming of Jesus is the rapture of the church, and that could happen at, a, at any moment. And that's the healthiest thing for you to believe. And it's the healthiest thing for you to be prepared for. Why? 
Because in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, you write that down. It says, everyone that has this hope of Jesus return purifies himself. The return of Jesus Christ has a purifying effect on your life. Listen to this. Your knowledge of a certain thing will cause you to act a certain way. Your knowledge of a certain thing causes you to behave a certain way. If you're on a date at the movie and you believe that Jesus could come any moment, you will keep your hands on the popcorn. Let the church say amen. Your knowledge of a certain thing causes you to act in a certain way. Nothing makes you more cautious driver than to know your license is expired. Amen. You ever notice that when that... Amen. It's happened. My license has been expired at one time, not recently. And, uh, but when, when it was, I was, a very, I was actually going to the DMV to get it reinstated. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. And um, so, but nothing makes you more a cautious driver than when your license expired. When you realize that your license expired, all of a sudden you're a good Christian driver. Knowing that Jesus could return at any time has an effect on you. Now, listen, I love prophecy, and I love talking about the end times. But we have to understand that the point of prophecy is not that we can sit and ponder the prophetic. The point of prophecy is not to build an eschatological position. The point of prophecy is to live like we actually believe that he's coming. Can the church say amen? We should be sober and vigilant and watching and waiting and serving and busy about the business of the kingdom until he comes. Notice in verse 41 through 44, Peter said, Lord, are you talking to us or to everybody? Notice what Jesus said in verse 42. Who then is the faithful and wise steward? So he's talking to stewards. Now, everyone in this room, listen, is a steward of someone or something, A steward is someone who takes care of something that belongs to someone else by definition. So, fellas, you have a wife. You are a steward, listen to me, of God's daughter. Wives, your husband, you are a steward of God's son. If you have children, I will pray for you. (laughs) But you are a steward because they belong to God. We're stewards of something or someone. Listen at this. You're a steward of your health. You, have, you, you move, you're mobile, you're a steward. You know, I can introduce you to people in this church in wheelchairs who would love to have the stewardship that you have over your body. You have a mouth, you're a steward. And that's why you should watch what comes out of it and use it to bless God and edify people and not tear people down. We're all stewards of something. You teach the Bible, then the Bible says that you are stewards of the mysteries of God. We're all stewards of something. And as stewards, we are to be faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. We're to be faithful. Moreover, it says we are required. What's required in stewards is that one be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. The requirements for his servant, for his servants, It's not eloquence. It's not intelligence. It's not cleverness. It's not cunningness. God wants faithfulness, and God requires faithfulness. 
and every usher and every greeter and every pastor and every leader and every children's church worker and even every poopy diaper changing person in the nursery, every home study leader, every bookstore helper, every cafe latte making servant needs to be faithful. Man, is that not a missing ingredient in the church today? Is that not a missing ingredient in the world today? You don't have to say amen, but it's still right. Faithfulness. Man, we can't spell it. Faithfulness. Because of lack of faithfulness, relationships break up and business partners split up and families are broke up and churches are split up. All because of a lack of faithfulness. God is looking for faithful people. Notice in verse 45 through 48 as we come in for a landing. Look at verse 45. But if that servant says in his heart in verse 45, if you're looking at it, say amen. Some of y'all ain't looking. Verse 45, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. If that servant says in his heart, my master's delaying is coming. He begins to beat the male and female servants and eat and drink and be drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour where he is not aware. And he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will in verse 47 and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed these things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him, what does it say, saints? Much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. So we have a contrast here of someone who was watching and waiting to someone who is lax and lazy. A poor steward lives without the expectation of his master's return. He mistreats other stewards, and he wastes his time and resources on unprofitable things. In other words, a servant who says he hasn't come soon, so he must not be coming, that's a fatal mistake. And how many times and how many people have said that? Christians are walking around talking about the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. He's been coming for 2,000 years. Christians, you know, these wacko Christians, you know, these these these. Christians standing on corners wearing placards and these screwballs in the mall talking about the coming of the Lord. He hasn't come yet. He isn't coming. That's a fatal mistake for two reasons. He hasn't come. Number one, he hasn't come because he's giving you time to repent. And you could say a better amen than that. He's giving you time to repent. And number two, he hasn't come, which only means that he, his coming is even that much closer. If he hadn't come yet, well, that means it's even much closer. Because every day that he waits, the closer we draw to his coming. Notice, now look at verse 46 and verse 47. The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and at an hour when he's not aware and he'll be, you know, cut him in two, appoint him his portion with unbelievers. There is a lot of debate around verses 46 and 47. You know, some people think that there are degrees of suffering in hell. And some people think that it means if you're a believer and you know the Lord's coming, but you don't get ready, you will be given a portion with unbelievers. So a lot of debate around it. What is it, Rodney? I really don't know. But what I do know, it sounds serious and you want to avoid it. 
Amen. That's, that's plenty of interpretation for me. That, that's enough. You know, sometimes we're like, oh, let's get into the deep things of God. Listen, that sounds bad. <laughs> Cutting me up is, cannot be a good day. So all I know is avoid it. That's good enough interpretation for me. But what we can learn from this text, listen, is that Jesus could come at any moment, and people who know that and don't respond, he, they will have to give an account. Jesus could come at any moment. That's why you need to give your life to Jesus in this moment. That's what the Bible says. Today is a day of salvation. If any man or woman hear, my, hear the voice of the Lord, don't harden your hearts because he could come at any moment. So give up your life to follow Jesus. You know, some people don't want to give up anything to follow Jesus. When the truth is, listen, if you think about it, what are you really giving up? You're trading a life of loneliness and pain and depression and sex and drugs and alcohol and waking up in the morning not knowing where you are. And God is asking you to exchange your dead life for true life in Christ. You know, that's almost like trading in a Hyundai, God is saying, trading in like a Hyundai for a Rolls Royce. What are you really giving up? And people say, oh, it costs so much. It's so hard to follow God. Can I tell you something? Listen, it is not hard to be a Christian and it is not hard to follow God. I'm sorry, I disagree with that. The Bible says, conversely, the way of the transgressor is is hard. The way of the sinner is hard, but the way of the Christian is not hard. And if you're finding it hard, Mr. and Mrs. Christian, is because you're trying to do it in your flesh. You're trying to do it. Or maybe you're trying to walk so close to the world, it's like walking a tightrope. You're trying to walk so close to the world and yet still be in the church. The way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the Christian is easy. You're not giving up anything to follow the Lord. As a matter of fact, you're getting everything. Like what, Rodney? Well, like you're getting saved. Number one, you were going to hell, but now because you gave your life to Christ, you're going to heaven. You gain. Yes, you could clap your hands there. You get saved. You get washed. You get cleansed. You were going to hell. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. You get a new home in heaven where the streets are gold and the walls are made of jewels. And you get love and you get joy and you get peace in your heart. Did you hear me? Peace in your heart. Why? Because when you receive Jesus, the Prince of Peace comes to live in your heart. And you get peace in your heart. And all the shame and all the guilt has been washed away and God doesn't remember your sins. What have you given up? Nothing. As a matter of fact, you've gained everything. So follow Jesus. Listen to me. Follow Jesus because time is running out. And if Jesus doesn't come soon, listen, you know what would happen? Man would destroy themselves. Fact. Look, I'm not into going green. You know, folk, some of y'all, some folks go green. Everything green. Got to go green. Listen, I'm, no problem. I ain't got no problem with going green. Go green. You want to go green? Go. <laughs> I, I ain't got no problem with going green. But think about this. But even people, environmentalists, are, they know that if something doesn't change, we will destroy ourselves 
they even know that, and they don't know Christ. And they acknowledge that by their attempts to save the earth. They acknowledge that very thing, that if man doesn't do something different, we will destroy ourselves. I submit to you that if, if Christ doesn't come, we will destroy ourselves. Yes, the coming of the Lord is soon. Time is running out. And you don't know when. It could be today. The Lord could come at any moment. And my question to you, I leave you with this. My question to you is, are you ready? You have to ask yourself, listen, close your eyes, close your eyes and listen to me. You have to ask yourself, if Jesus came today, would I go with him in the church in the rapture? Or would I be left behind? Even if you took your last breath today, ask yourself this. If you took your last breath today, would you open your eyes in the presence of the Lord? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.